Hi, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. I'm head boy Justin from Hufflepuff, and also joining me for today's gathering, I'm joined by the very witch who coined the phrase, the quill is mightier than the wand. The wise Ravenclaw rep, Abby. Hey, everyone. And Abby, we understand that this phrase came upon you while you're writing your most recent blog from Abigail Speaks. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Are you talking about Abigail's tumblers with all the spelling errors? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Abby's quill, unfortunately, did not sure have autocorrect turned on. Abby, I need to give you the spell that, that um, will help not. with that. We need Correct to fix that grammar. quick quotes quill. Appalling. That, <laughs> no. Anybody who is wanting to check out her blog, it can be found on the internet, Abigail Speaks. It's a great blog. It's very it's, entertaining. It's, it's not actually her blog. It is obviously not me. <laughs> that was a callback right there. You're going to so many people to this person. Yeah, that was um, from the... Um, like the Animagus one. It's from the right? Animagus episode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if that poor person ever hears of our podcast episode, <laughs> she's going to be very self-conscious. I think she's going to love the, the shout-out. I've been waiting for Rob to say something crazy so then I can just introduce him. Oh, sorry. I've just been sitting here doing some quick Wikipedia research while I'm delaying because... Like any Gryffindor, didn't come 100% prepared. <laughs> and as always, also joining us today is my brother Rob, who's never read the books. That's right, I'm here, and you might be judging me because I'm not 100% prepared tonight. But you know what? I'm just like Ronald Weasley, and I don't got a Hermione to do my homework for me. Apparently, after watching the Harry Potter like reunion special, I was watching it, and they're all like, oh yeah, Rupert is Ron. Rupert, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing that story about once the kids had been cast as their characters, they were supposed to write like a big paper or report on their characters. Yeah. And Rupert was the only one who didn't do it. And he just said, because Ron wouldn't do it, which is a genius procrastinator, Ferris Bueller way of doing it. (laughs) Big brain. And now Rupert Grint's got slides in his house, you know, and he has that ice cream truck that he drives around the neighborhood. Does he? Yeah, he bought like an ice cream he used truck. used to at least. What? Yeah. Yeah, he bought an ice cream truck just so that way he could give out free ice cream. He didn't even charge people. He's like, yeah, oh. here you go. He's Goes like around. the person your parents warned you about growing up, but he actually gives out free ice cream and he's not trying to abduct you. I can envision him now driving the, you know, the ice cream truck. The candy man makes everything he bakes. Satisfying and and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like to imagine that that ice cream truck has the like wizarding wheezes like statue on the top of it. Oh, where it's one of the Weasley twins with the hat with the rabbit that appears and disappears. Rupert, tell us it's so. Or if instead of it's a rabbit, it's an ice cream cone. But thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Of course, we're gathering on what is basically the eve of valentine's day and here at hogwarts love is in the air hormones and couples and dating and awkwardness and of course the three of us have dates (laughs) for valentine's day that's right but 
if if you are finding yourself in a different predicament and you know like the band heart you may be wondering to yourself you have your eye on somebody very special and you're just wondering it's chilling you to the bone how do i get you alone <laughs> how do, how I, do get I get you, you alone <laughs> if that is you you joined us for just the right episode because we are going to be tackling Amortensia or the love potion as it's more commonly referred to on today's podcast. Um, the love potion, of course, is a concoction that can be brewed by a witch or wizard or really anybody who has the ingredients and knows how to do it. But it's a potion that causes a very powerful infatuation or even obsession over the person who drinks the potion and so um, with just the right touch and with everything aligned you yourself too could also find yourself with the perfect date for valentine's day but we'll get into the we'll get into all the specifics here as we go jay i gotta be i gotta be honest with you i'm so surprised that you went with how do i get you alone instead of love potion number nine i figured you would even change up the lyrics to a song like you've been known to do where you'd be like, if I could put love in a bottle. <laughs> love potion number nine. Was that also in the Animagus episode? It was. I think it was. <laughs> was it? <laughs> or maybe, no, I think it was the little Hangleton episode, Jay. Oh, probably. If we were talking about Marope. I feel like this should be like our 90s. You know how every like 90s sitcom had like an episode that was just like lazily writ? Where they were like, oh, it's almost the end of this season, and we don't have a new story to put in. Let's just do a montage episode yeah, where people would just sit around clip. in a room. It's just and they're like, remember this? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a yeah. whole episode of backflashes. It's like usually <laughs> like the always made me mad. Yeah, the only plot is like there's a big family event coming up, like there's a wedding, like in Boy Meets World when they did that. Also, you've got like, or maybe like a family's moving out of the house, you know, it's it's the end of the, the series and the whole thing is just backflashes. Oh, right. wait, but remember this? Cut to a scene from seven years ago. I'll tell you the backflash episode that I would love to see is a compilation of Abby's moments where she says, oh, my word. <laughs> if you go through it, Liz, I mean, I... it's just it's just me and Justin saying wild stuff. Followed by Abby going, oh, my word. Oh, my word. Usually you guys saying appalling stuff, and then I say, oh, my word. But this isn't a montage episode, thankfully, because we've got our Valentine's Day special, and we're talking about love potions. Now, this, That's right. this, this podcast especially goes out to all of the people who are looking for that special someone. You know, and we found we found our wonderful spouses who we love and we thank them for their support that is unwavering but some of you guys might be out there and you're you're still looking for that special someone and you've you've it's caused you to go to new methods which does lead us to this episode sponsor a new online dating app which is guaranteed to be a magical experience let's hear from them hello are you tired of dating in the wizarding world? <laughs> Blind dates with hairy half-giants 
And also, are you tired and sick of being paired up with your second cousins? They just keep getting better and better. Hi, I'm Bella Venus, owner, founder, CEO, PMS, and CFO of Switch and Flick, the new dating app for witches and wizards looking to date unsuspecting muggles. Here at Switch and Flick, we're committed to helping you reel in a partner under false pretenses. Our dating app is easy to use, and so intuitive even Ronald Weasley can use it. Our patented magical matchmaker algorithm matches you with muggles who may or may not mind that you're a magic person. It's simple. We send you pictures and profiles of some handsome muggle men and women who are looking to mingle. And if you aren't feeling the magic hunt, it's easy. Just hit the switch button and send them on the Hogwarts Express reject train. But if you find someone you'd like to make your muggle mate, flick them into your flick folder. And if they approve, you'll be able to connect with them in the muggle world and let those red sparks fly. Some of you may be asking, but wait, Bella Venus, isn't it wrong to just ensnare a suitor under false pretenses? And I'd say, isn't that what all of muggle internet dating is about? It's all about creating a false presentation of yourself to find that perfect mate who's also doing the same exact thing. Our services began humbly in 1925, when my grandmother helped a young maiden in Little Hangleton find a handsome young muggle that she was looking to bag, which led to a happy marriage and a happy little baby boy. Ever since then, we've had many success stories, so put down that inkwill and pick up a pen, and then put down that pen and pick up a cell phone, because it's the 21st century, and wizards, it's time to catch up. So pick up that cell phone and sign up for Switch and Flick and find your magical pairing with a non-magic mate. Your true love's at your fingertips. Just Switch and Flick. <laughs> so that's Switch oh and Flick. Available in the App Store on Apple and Android. Did you say PMS? Yeah. <laughs> noise because i was like <laughs> <laughs> i was so hoping that abby would catch it too i didn't even catch I absolutely it owner founder it. ceo That's pms I made, and cfo because I, I made a noise i was like wait a second <laughs> <laughs> but a special thanks to bella venus you know for all the hard work that she's done and being a supporter of the podcast Make sure that when you sign up, you put Slug Club as your PR code and get one month off. Oh, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. One now, what free. is the success rate? I'm sure. I'm sure uh, the success rate is vastly improved under the effects of love potions. And there's different kinds of love potions out there, right? Like Amortentia is not the only love potion that can be made or that's even sold throughout the Wizarding World. Correct. But it is, I think, the most powerful, right? Yeah, Amortentia is the most powerful love yeah. potion. Because we see love potions being sold from um, Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes, and I'm assuming that there's mm -hmm. other places. Like, I can't imagine that Weasley's would be the first to have love potions there in Diagon Alley. Or are they in Diagon Alley or are they in Hogsmeade? 
They're in um, Diagon Alley. So they definitely had some in Hogs. I thought they had some in Hogsmeade too, but where Honey Dukes? Just, well, it definitely wouldn't be in Honey Dukes. We do know that love like... potions are banned at Hogwarts, right? That is a, yes. that is also true. So do you think that they would have it in Hogsmeade with it being so close that is to the true. school? I mean, hey, it's off school grounds. Yeah, I probably can't risk that. I don't think it's like an aging circle from the Goblet of Fire. Like, I don't think there's an official, like, spell or enchantment prohibiting them, because obviously they're in Hogwarts. You see that with Romilda right. Bane, and she makes them, uh, she spikes the gilly water, and also the chocolate cauldrons. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's clear that they can be on the grounds. There's nothing, like, physically preventing it. How they're many love potions substance. was she making? Oh, man. I mean, you got to cast a wide net when you're working with love potions. You can't take risks. What if you make the gillyweed and Harry's like, oh, sorry, I prefer pumpkin juice instead. But then, like, say something goes awry and, it, like, Harry doesn't get the gillyweed juice, but, or the gillyweed water. Juice. What is it? It's That can't be right. It's gilly water. Right? Like, gilly water. Spikes. Gilly water. Gilly, oh, okay. Gillyweed juice sounds super appetizing, by the way. <laughs> well and also like that almost makes me think of like a tea or something and it's which like, would you it's rather like drink sprout gills or something yeah yeah exactly i, I like, was like that sounds like what what he had to eat to in order to get the gills in the yeah. goblet of fire the second trial right that's why i was like in snape the only like it the only way you could get that was in snape's like cupboard storage whatever I know in the movies, it's Neville that gives it to him. But in the books, it's actually Dobby that gives mm-hmm. it to him. And Snape, like, threw a fit to Harry about, like, him stealing it. And he was like, I didn't steal it. And he was just like, well, how else were you going to get gillyweed? It's very rare, blah, blah, blah. So that's why I was like, gillyweed. Like, right, and that's the scene where he confronts not. him. And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, gillyweed may be innocuous, but boom, slang skin. <laughs> Less swing yeah. flies. You and your friends are brewing polyjuice potion. <laughs> big, big plot hook. I love how J.K. Rowling drops those hints throughout the entire novel. She does. You know, and then you're like, that's who's been stealing from the wares. Party Crouch Tongue Guy. Well, I've been rereading the books since like the new year. I am halfway through the Goblet of Fire right now, and I just got to the part where Harry snuck off to the prefect's bathroom to, you know, figure out the whole clue with the golden egg. Mm-hmm. And when he's sneaking back to the Gryffindor common room, it's like, you know, 1 a.m. or something like that. He has his invisibility cloak. And he's looking at his Marauder's map, and he sees Barty Crouch going through Snape's stuff. And he at first thinks like, oh, that's Mr. Crouch. Why is he here? Because he doesn't realize Barty Crouch Jr. as, yeah, as Mad-Eye. So Harry sees somebody going through Snape's wares? Yeah, but he wasn't about to say because he thought it was just Mr. Crouch. And then, well, and so here's the thing. He's almost caught by Snape. Because Peeves, who is left out of the movies, like senses that he's there and causes a ruckus. And so Snape is trying to find him by waving his arms around, like trying to feel where Harry is. And Mad-Eye shows up and he can see Harry under the cloak. Right. And so he like covers for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he covers for him. Yeah. The eye sees all. It sees through the back of his head. But even like a polyjuice. Mm -hmm. I'm a 
The old codger could see out the back of his head. The Polyjuice potion, like, it shows his essence of him. It is indeed like Barty Crouch, just like it showed Peter Pettigrew, even though he was a rat. So, right, but he stole the anyways. eye. He steals the eye from, uh... Oh, does he steal yeah. the eye? Mad-Eye Moody. Okay, I what thought did, yeah, that he it was the Polyjuice eye. What'd they call him before he, he had the eye? He takes, like, his fake leg and everything, too. Yeah, that's why he's just sitting at the bottom of that endless chest in long john underwear with one leg and covering his eye. Yeah, he took it. Because, but what I was saying like, was, why did they call him Mad-Eye the Moody before that? Before he lost that eye? Uh, I, I mean, Alistair just, is just mad. isn't... Okay, Alistair's a pretty tough name, I guess. I guess it's still <laughs> pretty Moody. good. Uh, Alistair is a pretty cool name. Speaking of that prefect's bathroom scene and somebody who would have been dying to get a love potion, can we just talk about how Moaning Myrtle is a child predator? That woman is like 65 years old. She's she like may be 30, the dead body of a 16-year-old. Well I think she's, she's perpetually like, I thought you were talking about the actress. Well, she might, I mean, it's, it's like true. she's 16, but it's she's been living for a long time. But if you're at Hogwarts, or you're a witch or a wizard, and you die, you become a ghost. I mean, like, it's not like your brain is continuing to develop. Like, you perpetually stay that age right. as a ghost if you choose to become right. a ghost. I don't know. I feel like you still kind of grow, right? Even who's the professor who's the ghost who's the teacher of uh, magic? It's like Professor, professor Binion's or Bins. That's it. Professor Bins. Bins. Yeah. Also, another character who was not missed in the movies. He was not. History of magic. Apparently a super incredibly boring topic. And he talks about, like, the Goblin Rebellion for, like, a long time. And everyone's appalled at how it's, like, it should be interesting, but... He talks about the Goblin Rebellion longer than the actual Goblin Rebellion. He really does, though, because I'm pretty sure it's been a couple books. It's probably the equivalent of sitting in like a Michigan history class where all you learn about is the Toledo War. Yeah, yeah. It's all, here is history for seventh grade. It's all about the Toledo War and why we don't like Ohio. Anyway, but getting back to Moaning Myrtle, she's not getting away with this, all right? I'm still not buying it. And she can't be in the tub with little teenage boys, all right? If Brian Singer couldn't get away with it, she sure can't. <laughs> oh my word and that's making the cut <laughs> throw it in the montage folder you gotta figure out who brian singer is brian singer is the guy who directed x-men but he got in trouble for having all those uh pool parties with a bunch of teenage boys Woo. yikes <laughs> and i'm like i knew x3 was bad for a reason it's mostly because they replaced Jean Grey, I thought. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm sure Moaning Myrtle would have been dying for that love potion. Did they replace Jean Grey? I thought it was the same person. No, it's the same person. No. Yes, no. it is, Abby. Yes, it is. No. no, it is not. They definitely replaced her. Abby, it's the same woman. It is a different woman. X3? It's, it's Famke Jansen. I'm going to look this up right now. Yeah, Famke Jansen. Did you Google it too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he beat me to it. Oh, but they changed Kitty Pride to Elliot Page. Man, I'll tell you what, they are on they top did of do it. That. Yeah, it's the same yeah. girl. Yeah. No. 
Famke Jansen, Abby, I think I see the confusion. I, you see, when women get work done on their face, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't hold so up over older. time. And when you're in she a franchise, so exactly, that's right, because that Botox, what goes up must come down and sags down. Eventually, you start looking oh, like Joan wow. Rivers. Looking like a Joan Rivers, who I think Joan Rivers would have made a great mother in a live action version of Coraline. I don't know. Oh my gosh, it really is her. I was convinced for the longest time that she got recast. Yeah, cut that, cut that, cut that. (laughs) (laughs) This is blowing my mind. Well, so here's the thing. I've been trying to rewatch X-Men 3 for like the past two years, but you can't like, it's not like available on any, like for free on any streaming services. Like, um, especially Even like Disney on Plus? Disney Plus, which I have oh, never. Oh, they're trying to bury it's that. It's not available. Well, this is when it was Fox. It wasn't Disney yet. But you can still watch X-Men 1 and 2, but you can't watch the third one. Oh, really? Yeah, you can't watch like, Last Stand. Yeah, it's not there. Oh. I like and I've been very like mystified with why all the other ones like because then it jumps to like the newer X-Men ones and obviously it doesn't have Wolverine because that is rated R but like you think they're trying to bury it because it makes absolutely no sense with like because they like just left it on a huge cliffhanger and then just left it there they did leave it on a cliffhanger but nonetheless they have like things that are kind of meh on Disney plus why would they get rid of that? Uh, it's gonna bother me. Maybe a good way for us to start this would be to talk about the effects of the love potion. You see, the rules of magic are kind of like the same rules of genie from the movie Aladdin. You can't you can't make people fall in love. And I think it's something that the Ministry of Magic is like studying though and trying to mm-hmm. figure out because yeah, Dumbledore have- points out to Harry that there's a locked room in the Ministry of Magic in the Department of Mysteries, and that locked door behind it, apparently they study love. And inside of that locked room, there is a fountain of Amortensia. Can you imagine the crazy things that go on behind that door? I mean, it must be like... probably one of the more interesting jobs. You know, you go behind that door, you're working in the love room at the Department of Ministries. That's a whole other ball game than, you know, misuse of muggle artifacts. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it must have been like the Kinsey research in there. Thank goodness Abby understood that reference. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was surprised it wasn't it wasn't an oh my word moment. In that room is a fountain. Do you already say this, Rob, of Amortensia? Yes, exactly. He There's did. a fountain yeah. of Amortensia, which would must look beautiful because Amortensia has this mother of pearl sheen to it. This nice silvery mm-hmm. It has pearl dust in it, right? Yeah. I believe that might be the case. I'm pretty sure it has pearl dust. Yes, yes, yeah. pearl dust, an ingredient found in all of potions. But I imagine it must be more pearl dust. And that must mean that it's like an expensive ingredient. Because if you can go heavy on the pearl dust, you may as well. You know what I mean? If it's just cheap. Yeah, I um, I believe making amortensia is very expensive. So it's like that's supposed to, I think, help hinder like mass production of it is because it's just so expensive to like... It's not cost effective in general. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's yeah. an interesting question. We talked about how it's not allowed at Hogwarts. And yet, Professor Slughorn in his first class, what is one of the potions that he has just sitting on display? 
demonstrating mm-hmm. his knowledge and potion making ability. Yeah. Which makes you think, did Snape yeah. have Amortensia in his uh, in his wares, in his secret supplies? I can just picture Barty Crouch Jr. looking around there while he's getting some of the boom slang skin and lace wing flies. It's like, where's the <laughs> That's tongue noises. And then, <laughs> it's like I, I creepy understand. ASMR. <laughs> I got to find it. Now Bellatrix will love me. <laughs> I'll make her see. You also think, why did Dumbledore let Slughorn even introduce the potion in his class if it's not allowed on Hogwarts grounds? Like, they're making it in potions class. Well, they I don't think they're making it. it. They, I um, think that it was just No, they them. made the drought of death. They shouldn't be learning how to make that. Either. Exactly. Like, I mean, it sounds to me like Slughorn like, oh, had a little something. bit of a loose leash while he was at his tenure at he Hogwarts. Did. Yep. Not much better. We got drought of living death. The same thing that put Snow White into a coma. Not only is he like flexing to show him this powerful potion that he's capable of making, but he's like, all right, class, now you'll learn how to make this. As Abby would say, woof. And it's I, I think it's in that scene that we are kind of introduced to the effects of love potion. Slughorn himself describes it to be one of the most powerful potions out there. Right. Especially Mm -hmm. with when you have this theme of love going across the Harry Potter series, right? Where love is the most powerful Mm -hmm. magic. And then turns out, oh, love potion is said to be one of the more powerful potions to be. I think it does fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But does the love potion actually create a true sense of love? It doesn't. It only creates powerful infatuation Mm -hmm. or obsession. Exactly. So true love cannot be produced through through magical means. But it's a it's like a like a crazy stalker obsession, which you got to think must be annoying after a while. Like, can you just imagine? I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're lonely, if you're lonely, I guess you go through it. But at at what point, though, do you you get tired of it? Or if you're like Marope and you've been abused. Right. That's that's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, maybe if you've just been on the opposite end of like love, you would crave like that obsession with you. Mm hmm. Like, right, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you're like looking you've for, been you're treated out there looking so for badly. You've been treating treated so harshly. This infatuation, this obsession, is just like this huge self esteem boost for you too. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm judging her too harshly, you know. But I just, I just look at Ronald Weasley after he just had those chocolate love cauldrons, thinking it was a birthday present but they were laced with love Not potion good. and he's getting uncomfortably close into Harry's face, you know, and stuff like that. And that's not even Romilda. Can you imagine what he'd be doing if Romilda Vane walked into the Gryffindor common room? Yeah. And odds are that what Ron got probably wasn't even Amortentia. It was no, probably something way less. It's like Kroger brand or Walmart brand, you know, kind of Amortentia. Cause you don't it think might have that been something was... she picked up from, from Weasley's, yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Well, she was there. She was with that group of girls who were sitting there by the love potions, oogling mm-hmm. and ogling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah, she picked up a couple it. vials of those little heart-shaped bottles. 
So love potions create this feeling of obsession and dedication, like a like compulsive obsessiveness. Like I said, you know, almost stalker like obsession. Mm -hmm. Um, so do the effects work uh for a long period of time and it lasts for like a giant time or even permanently? Or is it like polyjuice potion where there's a certain period of time and you'd have to like keep dosing them? I would think that it has to be a you would have to keep giving more and more potion. Because I would think that, like every other potion, it wears off over time. We see that yeah, I, I think guess it probably across depends every on the potion, potion in, in Harry Potter. I think it depends. Like the drought of death, I don't think you can wait that out to undo that, right? Like, yeah. it's kind of a... <laughs> well, what so is it for what this potion? Um, drought of the living I'm death puts sure you into like a sleep-like uh, state that mimics death. Well, it, it mimics death, but you're still technically no, alive. That straight up kills you well i mean it's called uh, drought of living death instead of just drought of death yeah well it's just slughorn had said like i'm pretty sure one drop of this would kill us all yeah kill us all Mm. yeah i don't know but the drought of Um, living death is a sleeping drought according to the harry potter no you're right because yeah no you're right sending the drink the drinker into a death-like slumber similar to a suspended animation I would think, though, that eventually no, you would just wake up yeah. from that animation, from that slumber. You would just wake up eventually. No, you need to have true love's kiss. Because isn't true that what happens? Um, that's what happened with Barty Crouch, right? Oh, Barty Crouch was singing no. that song? No, I've doesn't. I've been dreaming Crouch... of a true love's kiss. <laughs> Barty and Crouch the Bellatrix I've Azkaban. come to miss. Barty Crouch Jr. Oof. gets out of Azkaban. Why? Does he get out with Polyjuice and he's looking like his mother, or is it like a Count of Monte no. Cristo thing where he like acts like it's like he's dead and then somebody takes his place? So here's the thing: Barty Crouch's mom was dying, right? And so she and Barty Crouch Senior go to Azkaban. They manage because she's dying. They get permission to go visit her son before she passes. Mm-hmm. And because it would be the last time. Because Barty and so the Dementors, flex. they're in the ministry. Right. And so the, the Dementors, they only can sense that there was a healthy person and a dying person coming in and then a healthy person and a dying person leaving. Because Barty Crouch Jr., he was in Azkaban and he was basically dying because of like the effects of living in a place that's literally sucking the joy and life out of you and obviously you know it's not like you're a thriving like environment to live in even despite that right like it's it's like a a horrible it's like a metaphor for college institutions what (laughs) (laughs) just a but anyway people are having the joy sucked out of them in a way yeah but that is quite extreme but anyway so like it's that is how he was able to leave i mean i haven't read this part in a minute i think they um kind of like dressed him in his mom's clothes or something to kind of like just Mm -hmm. scared him out i might be remembering that incorrectly as i said i'm rereading it i'm halfway through the fourth book guys i'm sorry i'll update you when i finish the fourth book but um that is how they got him out they just basically just switched it he, um, I think, had put some sort, like Barty Crouch Sr. had put some spells on his son to prevent him from being able to leave and everything. Like, yeah, he had him constantly on the Imperious Curse. Yeah, yeah, that was it. 
But Rob yeah. and Abby, you guys had mentioned pearl dust, which is, of course, one of the ingredients in Amortentia. But there are other ingredients that I don't think we've covered. Some of those things include like Ashwinder eggs. And I don't even know what an Ashwinder is. Ashwinder, you mean? Ashwinder? Is, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a magical creature that, that uh, you know, it, uh, it winds through ash. Man, where is Newt's commander when you need him? I feel like that would have been Eddie Rainman. Would be like, where's my Oh, gosh, that's my I'm sorry. What what, what are so you saying? About him. Oh, so so Rob, if you were to hear Ash Winder, what kind of species do you think that would be in your head? I would think uh some sort of uh reptilian creature, like a uh like a like maybe like a uh some sort of lizard or a serpent. Do you have the the Wikipedia page up right now? I do not. You don't Am think I correct? of like you don't think of like a bird or a spider. I would think okay, maybe a bird. That would have been my second guess. I would but not you have are guessed right. spider. It is a reptilian animal. It's actually a snake. It's related to snakes. Oh, um, magic <laughs> serpent that was created from the remains of any magical fire that was allowed to burn unchecked. Oh. Probably the fiend fire. Like cool. I bet fire? the I bet the room of requirement is just full of ashwinders now after Goyle freaking destroyed <laughs> a thin pale gray snake with glowing red eyes. They rise from dying embers of magical fire that has been allowed to burn unchecked and unsupervised. Which is exactly why Smokey always reminds us only you can prevent ashwinders. We were that's just having a fire today when we went out sledding, because, you know, that's what you do when you're in the Midwest and you're miserable in the cold. You may as well just go down a hill and wipe out a bunch of times. And we had to put out that fire, and I was like, nope, if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. Ashwinder eggs are red and give off an intense heat. The heat was capable of igniting a dwelling within minutes of their birth. Wizards suspecting the presence of Ashwinders in a house had to immediately track down the nest and freeze them using an appropriate spell. Once frozen, Ashwinder eggs were very valuable. They could be used in love potions or eaten whole as a cure for agwe. Wait, they were used for what? A uh, cure for agwe, I guess, is malaria. For... Agwe. <laughs> that's, that's wizard malaria? It says, uh, such as malaria, it's an illness that causes fever, chills, you know, it's kind of like COVID. Oh, so it's like splattergoid. <laughs> it's like how chicken pox is to dragon pox, you know, it's, it's magical malaria. <laughs> Unless it's a real thing, and I'm just being incredibly insensitive to millions of people around the world. But Ashwinder eggs are I one mean, of the ingredients. So we've talked about um, pearl dust and Ashwinder eggs. There are other ones, though, that you need in order to perfectly brew Amortentia. You need roses, specifically rose thorns and rose yep. petals. Yep. And, you know, of course, roses are a big theme with love. Another thing that you would need is peppermint. And one of the ones that kind of struck me a little bit more than others was powdered moonstone. Which Ooh. I guess maybe like a full moon, you know, it's romantic. It... I was thinking it's more like you're over the moon. Oh, which is an expression for somebody who is really, you know, infatuated or really swept away by somebody. Oh, swept away by the ra the enrapturing feeling of love. They're over the moon. I like how they've got rose thorns in there along with rose <laughs> petals because 
Every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. No. no I love no, that reference. No, no. <laughs> well, I would just like to say really quick, because I like rocks. Moonstone, I believe it symbolizes love. Because I know Rose Quartz is supposed to also symbolize love, but I'm pretty sure Moonstone uh-huh. is like love stone. So that kind of makes sense, I think, that okay. it would be involved in the love potion. I tend to take the emotion out of it and just call it sodium, potassium, aluminum, uh, silicate in the Feldspar group. Yes. Symbolism behind Moonstone crystals may vary from place to place. However, it is largely believed to represent divine feminine energy. Ooh. Ooh, the estrogen. It also symbolizes love, tenderness, loyalty, and wisdom. And of course, Amortentia was perfected by a 19th century potioneer who, Abby, I would be surprised if you don't know this person. She comes from your house. Mm. Do you have a name? Um, She's got a chocolate frog. I mean, I've got a name, but that's because I've I've already pulled it up as my Wikipedia research. This Ravenclaw, Uh... um, this Ravenclaw, I don't know if I would say celebrity, but this famous Ravenclaw who is credited for her work in love potions and her study of love potions is, of course, Laverne de Montemorency. You may recognize her as Alphaba from Wicked in her star <laughs> performance because she is, though human, definitely has green skin. Fun. Does she actually have green skin, though? Or that is, is that just. That is what. I am told from Harry Potter wiki, green eyes, green skin. Oh, my goodness. And it goodness. does not say why she has no green wonder. skin. And I'm really disappointed that it doesn't say why. I even looked up my MuggleNet character compendium book, and I opened it up. I was flipping through the pages. All right. All right. Uh, McGonagall. Okay. Uh, uh, Malfoy. Okay. Okay. Ah, here we go. Montmorency. Right where Montmorency should be. And nothing. There ain't nothing. Oh. She's not even listening to the character compendium. Incomplete compendium. I'm giving MuggleNet's character compendium a terrible review after today's episode. You heard it, Amazon. Get Sunday. ready. Send a howler. Montmorency. I mean, I'm assuming this is a French name. I'll tell you what. I think I know why she has green skin. Her mother must have had another drink, a glean elixir, and they had themselves <laughs> a little mixer. That was good. That was no good. Way. <laughs> well, I, the only part of that Sorry. song that I know is, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> were you, were you, did you just turn to Michigan J. Frog? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's giving me, like, that old school, like, hello. Yeah, Michigan like J Frog. frog. Yeah. The loving rag. <laughs> but she is credited to being one of the most promising and also one of the most inspirational potioners from the 19th century. She of course has her own chocolate frog card and is a Herald Ravenclaw member. It doesn't really to my knowledge I I don't have much else information other than that as far as her life or, you know, her accomplishments. Well, I'll tell you what, it's no surprise to me that she's pioneering love potions. When you got green skin, 
you got you got to work your magic. <laughs> got to make something happen. That's what that's what Albert Einstein said that necessity is the mother of invention. And boy mm-hmm. was it necessary. <laughs> I mean, not to cross reference a different fandom, but I'm just saying Gamora having green skin, she didn't need a lot of potions. Oh, but the but the picture you know, that we see from the chocolate frog is like a more like more like a like Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yeah, never mind. Gamora's it, hot. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't not, say. It this doesn't isn't. This like isn't no wide. Zoe Zeldana, you know. It's. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, she looks good no matter what. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, so like it does show. I think what it is, Rob, the Jekyll and Hyde thing, because the picture shows like the love potion kind of floating exactly. up, and with the love potion, you see. Making this her look beautiful. Beautiful woman who has, you know, fair skin and blah, blah, blah. And in reality, she has green skin. So as green skinned as she may have been, Laverne de Montmorency, she is the, you know, the biggest love potion inventor of the 19th century. So the 1800s, according to Harry Potter Wikipedia, she lived from 1823 to 1893. So she's coming in, you know, the mid 1800s, developing all of these different kinds of lug potions. What I think is interesting, one, her name, last name is clearly French. And you just know how the French are, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're speaking the language of love and they're like, you know, je m'appelle. And then, you, you know, one thing leads to another. It's a very love, uh, love engaged culture, right? I would love side note of just if there are any french listeners their thought on that little (laughs) i think that was pretty authentic (laughs) 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 so very french but also i think the timing is really interesting because what's going on right before this invention is taking place all of this you know pioneering in the love potion field you're gonna love this abby is it it's the romantic monarchy no 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 it's but it is actually a movement that is kind of spurred on by the french revolution and the fall of the monarchy it's the romantic period of literature, the romantic period where you've got people like uh, Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte. I was going to say, is this Jane Austen? Yeah. It's funny because I was actually just reading something recently that um, was talking about how Jane Austen technically like back in the day, her writing is comparable to like smut today because like. Oh, yeah. Very, very British um, uh, society, you know. Well, and, like, to talk about, like, love and emotions and stuff like that. So it's, like, it's well, interesting you know, that you people. say that because I just read that. That's British like, people. You can't talk about oh feelings and emotions. God. You've got to <laughs> shove that deep down. Bottle it up. You can't have yourself being degraded like, like Mr. Darcy being like, You have bewitched me, bottle and, and body and soul, and I love, I love, I love you. And then all the guys sitting next to him are like, come on, man, have some dignity. acting like a child acting like a woman out here expressing his feelings (laughs) but you've got pride and prejudice coming out in the 19th century early 19th century i mean it was starting like 1797 but wasn't published until the Mm. 1820s i believe um oh sorry it's 1813 
but you've also got the other books that Jane Austen wrote, Sense and Sensibility, which came out before Emma. Um, you've also mm-hmm. got Chanter, uh, uh, Charlotte Bronte's work, Jane Eyre. You've got Mary Shelley, who is writing Frankenstein, which is also part of this uh, romantic period as well. Um, but a period of literature that was kind of spurred on by the French Revolution um, and this new kind of thing. And so it makes sense. This romantic period of literature spurs and inspires these witches and wizards because, you know, the wizarding world is 10 to 20 years behind the technology. We get it, except for writing with quills, apparently. Everybody's been having pencils for a long time, people. Uh, but you see that there is this inspiration that's coming from the muggle world in the romantic period into love potion making. What do you guys think about this? I thought this was an interesting take. Uh, I mean, I can't disagree with it. Like, it does match up. I appreciate it. I feel like this is, I love making the historical connections. Like whenever I look into like a certain character that they reference in the books or in the movies, I'm like, man, what time was that person born? And I'm like, oh, what was going on in the world at that time? It reminds me of, um, there was a different like little history lesson you had thrown in in the previous. Right. That was with the unforgivable curses and talking about the enlightenment Mm -hmm. and how the ideals of the enlightenment inspired not only the formation of the Ministry of Magic, but also the creation of the Unforgivable Curses. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Leave it to J.K. Rowling. Highlighting bits and pieces of the Enlightenment period and the romantic novels, but then completely dropping the ball with Princess Diana. Exactly. And I've said it yeah. before. It's the most unrealistic part of the entire Harry Potter series that... It takes place in the 90s, and Princess Diana's death is not mentioned once. I mean, there, like, there's definitely more like students there. Like, it should at least come up, like, somewhat. Like, like even Dean and, Thomas like, doesn't say anything. Did you hear about Princess Diana? Yeah. yeah. The Muggle Princess. Like, the princess of all muggles? No, just, 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 <laughs> like, English muggles. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about analyzing the purpose of the ingredients, I mean, we've talked about, you know, roses uh, with thorns and rose petals being involved in there. Um, We've talked about moonstone and the significance with that. But let's look at ashwinder eggs because ashwinder eggs seem really weird on face value, right? Like just hearing what they are and they're just like these eggs of these creatures that are born from fires like that have been allowed to burn out. And so I think that's like a thing of old flames. You know what I mean? Or like taking these like extinguished flames and then rekindling into something new. Also, I kind of like the idea of these ashwinders are like almost vestiges. They're not like real, like physical, tangible creatures. It's almost like they're made of the ash, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like trying to create something, but it's not pure. It's not. It's not true. It's it's this ash, you know, kind of creature. You know, serpents also could do something else with love potions. I'll leave that to everybody's imagination. But, you know, it's just <laughs> something about charming the serpent. You know, it's, it's I'm just saying, uh, like, I'm just I'm I'm throwing out possibilities, Abby. I don't know. <laughs> I'm grasping at straws here. A different kind of parcel map. Oh my gosh! Oh, 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 Abby! 
cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> oh, 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 Abby, you're supposed to be the voice of reason on this podcast. Sweet mercy. You know, there aren't a lot of moments that make me have that reaction. Abby, after midnight. Abby after dark. <laughs> I do think that 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 the, those reasoning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need a minute. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm I'm more shocked that Abby said it or upset that I didn't think of it. I, I can't tell. <laughs> Honestly, I'm shocked you didn't say it. I thought you were alluding to it. I was, oh I was goodness. waiting for it. <laughs> a different kind of parcel mouth. Sitting there. Oh man, <laughs> Rob, I think all the reasons that you had said are pretty fair reasons. I think maybe the reasoning behind Ashwinder eggs might be because of like a burning passion that Ooh. is being created out of nothing, out of you know ash you think of okay it's dead it's it's lifeless and then from that ash from that nothing starts this flame starts this this burning desire of whoever created the potion Mm. possibly or i I don't know i fear we'll never know maybe we're just doing that thing that a lot of harry potter fans do where we like overanalyze things and look into things and you know, J.K. Rowling, even as meticulous as she is, I'm sure some stuff is like, no, that's that's just a tree. Like, it's like, yeah, but what does the Whomping Willow really symbolize? <laughs> It'll hit you if you get too close. It, it just, it's, it's a tree. I mean, it's, it's a it's a tree that became a plot device. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it, it's a cup of dirt. It's a cup with, with dirt in it. <laughs> That's a new reference. We haven't referenced Brian Regan on the podcast. I know. Well, I've been telling you that I've been a little disappointed that we haven't made Brian Regan or Donald Glover references yet in this podcast, but we're breaking the cycle. Come on now. (laughs) Robbie and I, while painting in um, Pennsylvania during our college years, every summer we would go over and we would paint college dormitories. And if you've never experienced that, imagine crawling through and walking through the filthiest of filth. Oh gosh, that frat house townhouse that we had to paint. Don't don't mention it. Oh, that poor mannequin. Let me tell you though, <laughs> you did give me a rice you did give me a rice cooker you found while you were cleaning. Oh yeah, we found tons of cool stuff. Our- we found yep. a samurai sword. I got a Abby, copy I- of Plato's Republic. Abby, I can assure you too, we deep cleaned that rice cooker before giving it to you oh you did i was surprised when i got it i mean i can only imagine what kind ben of cleaned that rice, rice cooker for you through. he put so much effort into cleaning that rice cooker for you he more, did spend way hours more than way more than cleaning out his own <laughs> cup that he would drink out of every day i heard horrible <laughs> things about that cup, cup. <laughs> and let me no, tell you cup was like a cast iron pot he, so he it. over there i <laughs> Robbie and I were painting in Pennsylvania, these college dorms, and Abby's brother, Ben, would often accompany us, and the three of us would be staying together, and Ben was notorious 
for drinking out of one cup all summer. But this one cup was never washed. Where we also did Harry Potter Thursdays, where we would read a chapter from the book on Thursdays. I mean, the rest oh. of the week was Skyrim night. Yep, yep. Skyrim night was great. <laughs> but was, we were all Harry Potter Thursdays, Thursdays and Skyrim the West rest of the week. <laughs> Those were the days when we were all on our own TVs, PS3s, in our own rooms. And then, like, we're calling out to each other, hey, dude, look in this dungeon. Get down to Felspar Cave. <laughs> <laughs> but every summer that we would go, we would paint and we would listen to two comedy sketches Just on nonstop specials, repeat. Yeah. And that was, of course, Donald Glover. And Donald I don't Glover's know. Glover's weirdo. Yeah. Donald Glover's weirdo. And then Brian Regan. Interesting choices, I will say. Not that, not that that I have anything against, especially Donald Glover. Two thumbs up there, but I guess. And this was Donald Glover before he made it big. This was this was Donald Glover right. shortly it was like after Community. Right, Community Days, right? Yeah. I was shortly just after Community, but before Redbone. Yeah. So that, in a nutshell, is what needs to go in to Amortentia in order for its brew and its creation. I do not know the very specifics like how we went through the Polyjuice Potion and we had specific things like, oh, it has to sit in dark corners for X amount of days or you have to do this and you have to do that. And there was a process. As far as I can see, there's no like clear cut process that's been shared with us through the books. But we do see the potion appearing in the books at several different times. Right. Um, one, of course, we've kind of already touched base on was in potions class during Harry's sixth year. Another time that we see it is with Marope Gaunt, where we speculate, really, but it's speculated that Marope had presented Tom Riddle Sr. with a love potion in order to trick him to fall in love with her, to marry her, and then to father her child, Tom Riddle Jr., who, of course, ended up being the Dark Lord. Well, he's... It's interesting because he's the only example that we're given through the series of a child born as a result of a love potion, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. creates this uh, this child who's no longer Monster. able to even feel love. <laughs> this psychopathic, right. you know, creature who's been born out of a false love. That points to the contrast that we're given with Harry, too, was mm -hmm. that he is born out of true love and then not only born out of true love but saved by yeah. true love as well as all chosen ones are yeah mm -hmm. by true love's kiss i don't know i mean look at luke luke skywalker i mean was he saved by true love i mean he's the product of true love though the chosen one Oh gosh! Oh, now all the Star Wars I mean, fans are gonna Anakin be jumping on me. The Anakin's one. the no, chosen I one. Say, I know it. I, I knew it. You and were I the just, chosen one. I know, and I was just trying to, to make it work. We had a I'm... thing going. I, I didn't want to unravel the narrative that we were creating. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm convinced that Luke is the chosen one. Even Obi Wan is convinced that he's the chosen one. He admits could it. Make the argument. Could make the argument that Obi Wan. Yeah, that Obi-Wan saying he is you were the chosen one is a reflection that Obi-Wan was wrong, that the Jedi Council was wrong yeah. about Anakin being the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And sent him on a spiral down a dark path. Speaking about being sent on dark paths, Tom Riddle Sr., poor guy, born as 
born from a love potion can't feel love and you know i wonder if like being born from a potion that creates obsession like gives you an obsession because man i'll tell you what he was obsessed with total domination just like his mother wanted to dominate one man but Voldemort oh. took it several steps further to dominating everybody i just picture tom riddle senior under the effects of the love potion is like some sort of like you know how you have like the the quiet passive man in a relationship who just like <laughs> resided to sitting on a love seat you know as like his wife is talking constantly and they're just like yeah yeah kind of like a daze the life is kind of gone yeah and we do see this also in fantastic beasts right Oh, who's under right. the I was actually Fantastic just thinking Beast. of that. He was the one that was dating. Well, they weren't dating in the first one, but like into uh, the Kowalski. Or oh, with Queenie? Sister. Queenie yeah, slipped Kowalski. him a love potion? Yeah, Queenie. Yeah. She, so it seemed almost like a spell. No, it was a potion. Yeah. Oh, she was crazy. You're right. It had to have been a potion because she was like making him stuff, right? Wasn't she like baking him stuff or like giving him food? And it was just she was making like, food. Just a potion yeah. or something. The reason why it almost seemed like a spell is because um, Newt, he used like a spell to help snap him out of it. It's not like he gave him a potion or something, which, you know, Slughorn gave Ron a potion to help him like snap out of it. So just kind of, oh, true. I mean, there's different, there's different things I suppose that maybe could help. But uh, what did he give Ron? I don't. I'm not really sure what it was exactly. I don't even think it's really specified. Didn't he give Ron like some wine or something that was wine. that was spiked? Well, that he was give, after. That was after so he, he snapped him out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He gives him some sort of an elixir to help him, like, snap out of it. Eat the chocolate. It'll help. <laughs> That's a different teacher. <laughs> or, as uh, Jason Taggart would say, chew the gum. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we've got so many deep cuts. We're all over the place with the references. <laughs> That's called casting a wide net, you know? Something's going to hit with somebody. <laughs> Well, I doubt Maybe that the Galaxy will understand Quest, Galaxy Quest. Going, I doubt the Galaxy Quest is going to catch anybody. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. You're like, oh, I love Tim Allen. That's another Alan Rickman movie, after all. <laughs> yes, it is, yeah, and true. that's how we connect it. Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness! But you know the the Dark Lord isn't the only one who's affected by Love Potion. I mean, it's not just Marope Gaunt, but we've even got. Molly Weasley herself admits to mm. dabbling in love potions while she was in school. Molly, you dark horse. Mm-hmm. Molly Weasley. We've also got, obviously, uh, Ramilda Vane, which, you know, when your yep. last name is Vane, that might be a little hint that you're a little conceited. <laughs> kind of person to be willing to put somebody into seduction. Which Dare we guess who Molly was trying to put a potion to? Oh, I, I bet it was Lucius. No, it, does, it doesn't specify. <laughs> There's no way it was Lucius. Hey, there was hey, a Weasley, uh, Septimus Weasley, he married a black, you know what I mean? He married a member of the black family. And that was Arthur Weasley's father. Yeah, they are cousins. So, you know, mm-hmm. you never know. I do think that it had to be somebody from the, what is it, the, the something 28? 
But I do, yeah, maybe, well, I don't think that Molly Weasley cared about the Sacred 28, but Sacred um, 28. I do well, think she, she was also was older. In the Chamber of Secrets. I think she was also much older than Lucius Malfoy because their oldest is like in his 20s. You know, you got to think about how old yeah, Charlie is. Yeah. Charlie you know what Bill. I mean? So they're, I mean, they're easily in their 40s. Kids later in life, so you never know. Right. Well, they're easily in their 40s, the and Lucius least... is in his mid 30s. Is the point that I'm getting at, I guess. I mean, they could have like been in school together at the same time, but you know, it, it's seven years of like a gap of space between the oldest and the youngest students. So yeah. I mean, they might have like known each other, but or like might have been a first year fetcher. Really known each other. Oof. So those are the different times that we see Love Potion popping up at different places throughout the series. Interestingly, one of the times when we're introduced to the love potion in the Half-Blood Prince is that it's it's described as having this effect on its drinker or the person that, you know, whoever is inspecting the potion to have differing effects depending on whatever entices them. Mm-hmm. For instance, we see Harry when he smells the love potion that's in Slughorn's room, he gets a sense of the woody smell from a broomstick handle or a treacle uh-huh. tart or even something flowery from the burrow, which, oddly enough, I guess we find out is Ginny Weasley later on. Mm. Abby, is that true? It is. So, um, as I said, I'm rereading the book, so memory's a little rusty. But Half-Blood Prince is when he's exposed to the potion and he smells that and he's like oh you know reminds me of the burrow later in a corridor he smells that smell again and he like turns and Ginny's there and yeah so it's a very subtle like you dog you harry it's very subtle yeah honestly one of the things that drives me nuts about the movies though is that when you are watching the movies, you don't get this growing and building relationship between Harry and Ginny. Like, it's kind of just kind of more thrown at you or forced in the movies. But I hear in the books that it's a lot more of like a slower burn um, or like a slower Mm -hmm. cook. And you get a lot more of the different elements that go into why Harry ends up falling in love with Ginny and why they have, you know, such a successful relationship Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Yeah, they really do movie Ginny dirty because they kind of make it seem like it's just like an all of a sudden thing. But for Harry, it's like, you know, J.K. Rowling kind of sprinkles in like, a little bit of how maybe Harry does have feelings for Ginny, but he doesn't quite realize it yet. Like him not realizing that smell that he really likes is actually Ginny. Like Mm -hmm. he does, and he doesn't even like really acknowledge it like at that time, because he, in that moment when he, like in the books is when he's starting to kind of like almost discover maybe he has feelings for Ginny. And when like he really didn't even realize on is when he sees, yeah, like it, he only really realized that when he saw her like kissing Dean and even then he was oh, yeah. trying to be like, well, I'm upset about it because that's my best friend's sister. You know, that guy, he shouldn't be kissing my best friend's sister. And you know, that guy that I've like, been roommates with he, for the last five years. What a slick get as Ron calls him. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Dean, of course too. he likes Dean. He's he's brilliant. You called him a slick git not five hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry's like, well, she does though. have nice skin. <laughs> like, the oh, most creepy <laughs> silence of the lamb compliments that you've ever heard. It really <laughs> No, she's got nice skin, you know? <laughs> I think Dean's snogging my sister oh, yeah. because of her skin. skin. Oh, yeah. Just, sure, Harry. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be a contributing factor. I I like that, that he doesn't could even help. realize. I mean, it's pretty clear, even from watching the movies, that Ginny is totally infatuated with Harry from the mm-hmm. get-go. From right. the second movie. Yeah, from the second movie where they're talking about, you know, oh, Ginny's been talking about Harry all summer, and she's, like, mortified mm-hmm. when she sees that he's in the house, and she's like, I can't find my jumper. <gasps> You know, I'm paralyzed. Yeah, <laughs> like that shock in headlight. Yeah, deer in the headlights. But Harry, you slick dog, you put it together eventually. Interestingly, too, is with Hermione, we see that like when she smells the love potion, she gets mm-hmm. different smells. But one of the smells mm-hmm. that she senses or picks up on is Ron's hair, the scent of Ron's hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe it should be a it should be a good step, you know, people who are trying to make decisions about these guys that they've been friend zoning for years. You know, you got to you got to take a whiff of the amortensia and just see. Get a whiff of amortensia and you know, you see maybe maybe you're he's one of your endearing smells or some way related to him or her. And then it makes you realize, "Oh man, and, uh, I do like them." And also just to kind of go off what Justin said when he said that she smelled Ron's hair. If you can, uh, like, if you're watching the movies, like when Hermione is um, pointing out, like, the different smells, like, mm-hmm. a different color shows up for each smell. Like, when she says fresh cut grass, you know, it's oh, rises from the mist. And then it's like, and she's, yeah, and then she's like, and and then it's like the little, like, mist turned orange. And then she, what? like, stopped talking because that's when she smelled Ron. Oh. She wasn't going to verbalize that in front of the class. But it is actually, Well, she moment. stops, yeah, in the actual... So the movie says spearmint toothpaste. Right. So right. Is, is it spearmint toothpaste that she's actually smelling, or is it Ron? I think no, it's she Ron, does smell and that. she's trying and then, to avoid saying it. Well, no, so she does smell toothpaste, because, right, her parents are dentists. You know, it's something she grew up. It reminds her of her like childhood. Her, it's a smell she's attracted to. It's a familiar smell. Also, of course, all of Hermione's like, smells are like orderly things because she's such like a type A, course. you know, anal personality where mm-hmm. everything has to be a certain way. And new it's like oh, freshly cut grass, right. new fresh parchment, spearmint toothpaste. You know, like just like the weirdest thing. I love how it's the the swirls that rise up out of the potion. And it's it, it's almost like mm-hmm. every cartoon, old cartoon that we used to watch growing up, where like the the smell rises up and makes the little hand gestures, you know, that like that like wrap around you, and the people are like drawn in by the sweet smell, you know, the sweet aromas. That's the picture that I get, you know. It's like the swirling tendrils that just go into the nostrils, <gasps> you know, and just you know, lifts you off your feet a little bit. Well- what do you guys think would be your smells if you were presented with a love potion? This is a tough question. This is a tough question. Abby, Abby well, I need you um, to go. I need to think about this. So I'll go first. And it's because my friend Angela and I, um, we had actually discussed this a couple of years ago because I just was like, hey, 
the love potion that um, they discuss in Slughorn's class. What do you think you would smell if you were presented that? And she was like, oh, I love that you asked this question. We ta- ended up you guys talking, were talking about, about it for like years two hours. ago. Yeah, it's this is my hobby, I guess. And Abby, are you a skier? I, <laughs> is I, your, I didn't know your last name was Trelawney. <laughs> I mean, Dumbledore did say that she did predict a few things that were accurate. And when Harry told him about the uh, prediction that she had made, he's like, maybe she deserves a raise. huh? But um, anyways, <laughs> so I was digging up like what I had written down for what I w- thought I would smell. And eucalyptus, for sure. Oh. Like, I love eucalyptus. It's such a like calming, pleasant smell um i would smell lavender for mm. sure which oh, a lot of lavender essential is oils. actually um i well i just it's such a like pleasing calming smell um it was one of the flowers in my uh bouquet when i got married to nick it's Aww. just one of my favorite smells i would say books nick gets annoyed that like he has given me like two kindles and I don't really use them. I just prefer books. And also I worked at a library. It gives me a good throwback of like just smell of books. Mm-hmm. And um, basil. Old books I or like brand new books? Both. I just love it. It's just a very distinct like both, both of, of those have very, very different smells. smells. That's comforting. Yeah. But they're very comforting. Mm-hmm. And I would say basil is a huge like throwback smell for me. Like Ooh. it takes me back to like gardening with my yeah. aunt. Like I'm surprised that you're not would... picking queso dip. Oh. The smell of queso. <laughs> I might need to add. I may need to add. Uh, you know your mom's queso to my list <laughs> because Mama Lauer's queso is not make my the list. best queso dip around. That's great queso. <laughs> But you were saying, you were talking about basil and how the basil connects. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Basil takes me back to, like, my childhood, like, gardening with my aunt. She would, she taught me that, like, with basil plants, you have to, like, pop the top of, like, the, I forget what it's called. But you have to pop the top of it off, so that way it promotes more growth. And I would just come back to my parents' house, and my hands would just smell like basil. And it, to this day, if I smell basil, it just... It takes me back. It's such a pleasant, wonderful smell. And then um, I would say maybe like petrichor would be my final smell. How many smells does everybody get? I Um, thought we were only going to be doing three. (laughs) You can do as many as you want or as little as you want. But that's my final one, like petrichor. Like for, for, so um, for those that don't know, um, I just like, well, first of all, I just love like outside and stuff like that. And petrichor is um, and I love rain. And petrichor is the smell of the earth when rain first hits it. It's that smell, like as soon as it starts raining. It's, it's very that distinct. smell of, of worms. Wonderful smell. Coming out. Coming out. No, that's later. That is later when that's the worms are drowning smell. in the dirt and they come out. <laughs> no, how dare you? It I would always hate that smell. smell. You go out to the bus stop after it's... school and it was raining all day and you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, no, More that like smell is horrible. I agree. Got him. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so those are my smells. Eucalyptus, books, lavender, basil, petrichor. That is a okay. very specific laundry. word for a very specific smell. Petrichor. 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 
I also have an idea as far as what I would smell whenever presented with a love potion. And that, of course, would probably be the fresh cut grass at a baseball game. You know, when you're like, you enter the stadium and like everybody's still tending to like the ground and like the dirt and everything and just get this like spring breeze wafted up into the stands. And it's like, oh man, baseball springtime is here stadium Um, smell yeah it's a good one that doesn't surprise me at all that that would be a smell for you because it's like that's like a family moment thing for you too like you go with Mm -hmm. your family to see yeah opening day to go watch the tigers lose very rich history of (laughs) um baseball games and our grandfather actually played minor league ball as a part of the boston red sox organization way back in the day yeah, that's right. And we took all that talent, he passed it on to us, and we went into theater. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did just recently play Straight what I would determine to be semi professional ball with Ooh, the Modesto right. Nuts. You did do a. That's right. Yeah. That's I right. was the asked, <laughs> Paige signed me up for this teachers versus nurses competition as a part of like a thank you for um, all of that, all of the work that you've done during this COVID era. And out of the hundreds of people, I was selected in this raffle draft. And so, like, they gave us shirts and hats and everything. And we played at their baseball stadium, which I was surprised at how out of shape I am. And I mean, I I consider myself to be fairly (laughs) in shape. Uh Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not overweight by any means. And yeah, keep up with a toddler, you know. I have to keep up with the toddlers and everything. You know, you would think that that would keep me in pretty good physical physique. But I've quickly found that I was just gassed anytime I had to do any kind of running. (laughs) Like, I found that, like, just me jogging lightly out to the outfield was enough. And I was thinking, man, how am I supposed to chase down any of these balls? That's a long run. And that's, oh, gosh, teachers versus talent from our grandfather went down to me. Yeah, teachers versus nurses. That's like the mathletes versus the glee club. You know, it's the it's the game oh that everybody wants to see. <laughs> and I will say that I went 0 for 3 in that slow pitch softball game. Oh, no. <laughs> well, actually, 0, 0 for 2. I walked. I walked one of my at-bats. Um, another at-bat, I hit out to the rover. And then the other at-bat, I crushed out into the outfield straight at the center field straight into the uh, into the field <laughs> <laughs> didn't even have to step for it and this is a big it's a pretty big ballpark because it's a minor league ballpark so it's like the the dimensions are about the same as like you know uh, an actual baseball it's field. bigger than a softball field it's way bigger than softball and you would think oh Anywhere, if if I just make contact with this ball, obviously it's going to be a hit. No matter mm-hmm. where it goes, not like these nurses are going to be able to track this thing down. But of course, people... I crush this ball, yeah. blast it right out there. The center fielder might have taken one or two steps. I don't think people realize how far ninety feet really is, but man, that's a long, that's a long way to go to get to that first base. Pretty far, for sure. And they were not moving it for us either. It was ninety feet. But um, fresh cut baseball field grass is definitely on my list. It's a great pick. Also on my list is mountain pine. And I, I would specifically mm. wanted to say mountain pine rather than Ooh. just like your typical pine because yeah, yeah. like the mountain air. Pine. It's different the, for sure. The mountain air yeah. has just like this crispness and freshness to it. 
Yeah, um, does. Is, is just, it hits you with such a strong blast. Another thing that I have on my list is like the crisp, dew-filled morning air. Like you walk outside and it's like mm. springtime and it's like there's dew on the ground and like there's like a little bit of moisture in the air and it's still a little chilly. Great, great smell. And then also that that smell of a freshly opened video game. Oh, can't be beat. <laughs> you open up that box and you get like the little manual that nobody reads. And then you got like the game and you're just like, oh, man, this is so good. The anticipation. So builds are you up. like? So are you telling me that like to this day you prefer to buy hard copies of games versus downloads? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. The new Pokemon game came out just recently, Pokemon Legends of Arceus, and oh, I bought that game, the the physical copy, and it, just opening that was such so rewarding, so satisfying. Yep, yep, 100%, 100% physical copies over digital. It's like people who prefer physical books, Abby, over like Kindle and eBooks. No, I mean, I respect it. I'm trying to think if the copy that we have, like that Nick ordered for us, was downloaded or physical copy. Because it's on the Switch now, so I don't have to worry about it. But I don't pay attention to that stuff. I just Well, and for your guys' lifestyle, it might be better, if, especially if like you guys are yeah. doing van life. You know, it's like you don't want to be hauling around yeah. all these cases of video games with you. No, Nick definitely, um, a, like a lot of his games, like he had um, converted them to digital. So that way he wouldn't have to carry them, carry a lot of them around. So he has a lot of them in storage right now. So Rob, me and Abby both went, but you had some time to think over what your list might be. Oh gosh! I mean, I know, I know. Justin had thought before this. No, you know, I because he he wanted like to bring right it up. Before. I mean, you know, I know Abby's. Abby just said she's been thinking about this for years. You know, I've been, I've been just racking my brain throughout but the entire said, podcast but... trying to figure out my my things. But I think I've nailed down three smells. I think I've nailed down three smells. I think there's going to be some for Abby that, or one for Abby that she's going to agree with. I think there's one for Justin that she's going to agree with. I got to be honest. I'm surprised that me and Justin didn't have any overlap. Um, although I right. do like Justin's picks, except for uh, except for Mountain Pine, because you know, outdoors, eh, just stay inside. You know what I mean? So, it's like, eh, Rob, just buy just the Yankee like... Candle Company candle. You guys both have very specific smells. You know, you've got what? What is it? Petrichord, and you've also got um, you've also got Mountain Pine. I mean, Mountain Pine—that's the kind of pine smell that'll put hair on your chest. You know. So, Rob, before you, like, go, because um, you said there was something that I might appreciate with, um, like, the smells that you have. While Justin was talking, like, when he said uh, the baseball field, it triggered it for me. Like, is one of your smells, but also I think it would probably be one of my smells, so I hate that I have, like, a little list. Freshly opened tennis balls. I have written Ooh. down here the smell of a fresh can of tennis balls. Oh, that I smell that yes, comes from a yes. can that just once you yes, pop that seal, it is the best. Once you pop the seal, and I was oh. trying to think like because there are some weird smells that I do really like. I like the smell of gasoline. I love the smell of rubber cement, but those things didn't make my list because there's one of those smells that's kind of an unusual, powerful smell. You know, very pungent that I do enjoy a lot. Mm. And that's when you crack open a fresh can of tennis balls and it just, you hear that, so good. you know, that 
that pop of air escaping from yes. a factory in you know yeah. Patagonia or whatever or wherever you know it's like just, a 4D experience. And you just take <laughs> and I just bury my face into the tube. Just it is the best smell. Oh, it is such yeah. a great I agree. smell. And I still judge how good a tennis ball is by the smell of it. You can tell the, the freshness of a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. Be like, you know, I've, these have already been open, but let me give the tennis ball a whiff to see if, you know, and you're, that's still good. Yeah, it's still got a good bounce to it. I can smell it. So, Abby, you're 100% right. You nailed it. That's that's my third smell. That's, that's, no, that's number it's, three smell. It's funny you say that because, as I said, when Justin was talking, I was like, how did I not think of it? That would probably be like another smell for me too. Takes me back to high school. Ugh. Add it right up Absolutely. there to the things that Abby has on her list. What a connection. All of our time that we spent playing tennis. It it was great, man. What a good time. We should definitely oh play goodness. when it gets warmer. I, 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 but I, not when it's hot. No, that's the problem. Abby 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 only goes out in tennis at specific temperatures. It's like how I only swim in pools at specific temperatures. You know, it's like <laughs> you've got like a two degree window. Then I can jump into the pool. It's and not otherwise, fun. Otherwise, I look sad with blue lips and I'm shivering. Right. Just, everybody Rob else can staying. only go swimming when it's like 100 degrees outside. And let me tell you, if it is over 90 degrees, I am not interested in playing tennis because it's no longer fun. You're and just standing out there on the concrete on the baking. So really, it is. You, it's if not it's fun. like really, if it's like seventy-five degrees or higher, Abby's out. So you got to find that, I'm that telling you, fifty-five degrees, to sixty-five like degree not. window. Yeah. No, we'll have to play in the spring, like maybe April or something, because that is like prime time. And Abby, you know, you know what I'm going to say here, and I hate to call you out on the podcast, <laughs> but I remember saying we needed to play tennis this summer. You did say it. You did well. It's summer, <laughs> see, and it was a hot summer. And Let I was stuck you, playing I with Dan. Time outside. I was stuck playing with Dan, and I don't mean to, to rag on Dan, you know, but he's in his 60s, and he's not. I don't feel like I can. I can say like it's great. I mean, obviously, I win because I'm that good. <laughs> Even though he's been taking okay, classes at say, the Y, like... you know, but still running the court, you know. Once I get that serve warmed up and landing it, I mean, it's just it's just killer. So that's my first smell. Um, I've only got a list of three. Yes, sorry. Because I followed the I followed the the guidelines of the books. You know, they go with three smells in the books. Three's good enough for me. The second one, I'm surprised that Justin didn't. And that's the smell of a fresh pot of Matuzo family sauce. Mm. Honestly, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for like you to say my grandma's like spaghetti sauce or something yep, like yep, that. My exactly. great grandmother like, Camila's yeah. sauce. That's right. Our, our the Matuzo family ingredient is a little sugar. It, it's not a little sugar. It's a whole <laughs> freaking mess of sugar. It is a but lot of sugar. I I'll make it every what, Sunday. Sauce, <laughs> sauce so thick that you could float a pork chop in it. Yep, yep. You cook that <laughs> sauce just right. It gets so thick, like thick like tar. <laughs> not that thing but it's, it's a good consistency though you know it's got to cling to the noodle it's got to cling to the pasta um but that smell of sauce just takes me back to my memories of growing up and going to you know western new york and seeing my my grandparents there and every sunday morning there would be sauce on the stove that started before we go to church and then when we come back from church it's the big family sauce meal 
um, that Sunday afternoon meal that was course, like to bring the whole family together. And of course, it was left on while we were leaving the house. Exactly. Well, you got to leave it on low <laughs> heat because it's got to, it's got to, you know, get there and it's got to, it's got to mature. You know, you come back and like the all the flavors the have got to mingle floor, together. It's on the other stuff around the kitchen. But man, that is that is a smell, and I mean, it just fills the house. It's this warm, wonderful smell uh, that just brings me back to my childhood. And I'd have to say, probably the last smell would be uh, would be fabulous. And I don't mean like it is fabulous as an adjective. I mean that's a noun. Like it is fabulous uh, fragrance that my wife wore on our wedding day. Oh. And like, you know, one Come of the on, things man. I love about my wife like is here. <laughs> your your fragrance has bewitched me body and soul and I love I love I love you. <laughs> and the thing that I love about so my wife I'll... is that she's not a person who is constantly like obsessed with like, you know, like putting into, you know, an hour of wearing makeup or putting on makeup and, you know, fragrance. She has a very natural beauty which means that I didn't need to take her to the beach while we were dating and dunk her head underwater to see what she really looks like. Dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes it's got to be done. Kids are getting Ideally, extra you want to do that on the first or second date, so that way you're not wasting any time. Exactly, exactly. So no, that way you I can remember get like you telling me that back in high school, and I was like, unbelievable. And that was back in the late 2000s. When, you know, people were still pretty bad at makeup, right? There weren't any YouTube tutorials or TikTok good. videos and Instagram influencers. You look at these kids today. I mean, they're beat it up. And I don't mean beat up like, like physically assaulted. I mean, like they've got a beat, you know, the makeup beat. That's right. I know the lingo. And so they've got all the makeup put on, caked on, foundation, contours, all that and whatnot. People changing the shapes of their face with trickery of illusion, artistic illusion occurring. <laughs> and you just can't Let me be tell sure. you, Rob, to cut you off really quick, I believe that the Gen um, Zers call it snatched. Looking snatched. Looking snatched. <laughs> I thought something, but Looking I'm not snatched. even gonna... I thought I was going to be like, and you Don't know that was that. originally God. a gay term. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> You know, that oh was originally a gay term because as most white women do, they don't come up with their own terms. They just wait for, you know, gay men to come up with a new term. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I love that. I'm going to start saying that. That's where all I wonder they're where all these white good. women were saying spill the tea all of a sudden. <laughs> so fetch. And, <laughs> to be fair, and whenever they come white up women try to make something a thing, it's like fetch. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You don't have the charm. <laughs> There is one more thing that we have to address about love potions, and that is, of course, how widespread and available these concoctions are and whether or not they should be available. Um, is there any occasion that is considered to be a good occasion to be using a love potion? Lock them up. So I will hop in really quick, and maybe it won't be a very, like, popular thing to say but honestly i kind of view the love potion as kind of almost like the wizarding version of the date rape drug mm. oh gosh well i don't know if that's an unpopular uh, unpopular but, opinion except like, for people who are using date I rape mean, drugs they're like oh come on 
Come on, like, Abby. Well, because, you know, think about it. Like, in the books and movies, it's kind of seen as, like, you know, it's banned from Hogwarts because, you know, you can't have all these kids spiking each other with stuff. Like, they need to focus on studies. Right. But it's like, think about it. Like, Tom Riddle Sr. would not have hooked up with Merope, Merope, however you want to say it, Gaunt, willingly. Right, she was a little Hangleton 7. not only got him to fall in love, they got married and they had a kid. And as soon as she stopped giving him the potion, because she's like, well, he must love me now. I'm pregnant with his child. Like, we're married, blah, blah, blah. He, like, fled the other direction, right? He was horrified that he had reproduced and married, like, reproduced with this person and married them. So that's just kind of, like, it's kind of appalling to me that it's, like, the ministry hasn't, like, put a strict ban on it because it is kind of unethical, right? Like, you are... Super unethical. Well, a date rape... Right, like, the date rape drug, it's... That is a drug, right? And it's, like, you're not, like... It's bad. Like, you're you're not basically, like, drugged, you're unconscious, you have no control over what's happening, which one could say, like, you know, with a love potion, you have no control over what's happening, but it's, like, you are now, like a willing active but you're not willing but you're like an active participant in this relationship and you are pursuing this person and you're making them feel loved and stuff like that and it's just i don't know that's just kind of my stance on it i think it's a pretty questionable like potion that is allowed to be like created and sold and distributed and well i'll tell you why it's allowed to be there and that's because the ministry of magic is using it themselves Oh, oh this Look is at an the interesting love take. room in the Department of Mysteries. Oh, they're engineering this stuff. You're not wrong. They got a whole saying, fountain of it just... like it's a fondue event. <laughs> Abby, you raise a lot of great points. But I would say to you, what about love? Don't you but want it's not even to love. care about you? Well, and that's what makes it so sad in a way, right? Is it's like, what about you know, love? unrequited love sucks. I mean, Dumbledore even says, <laughs> you know, like, what does he say? Like, ah, to be young and to feel love's, love's, feel uh, love's keen, keen sting. sting. Yeah, yeah. Like, it sucks. Like, you know, if you have feelings for someone and it's not returned, but it's like, you can't force someone to like i don't know it, and plus it's like as we see with voldemort like it's not actually love you know he's a product of a love potion he's a love potion mm-hmm. baby mm-hmm. and he's incapable of feeling love i think it's odd that we call it the love potion when really it doesn't produce love i mean that's the whole premise of it mm-hmm. is that love can't be reproduced it can't be copied it can't be generated through like these, you know, these um, makeshift things. It's mm-hmm. it's a pseudo love. Um, so it's kind of funny mm-hmm. that it's even called love potion to begin with. Well, that's just um, marketing 101. I mean, you're yeah. not going to call it the obsessive potion. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to sell. Call it the... Yeah, upsell that, man. You know, you got it's like when we worked at Bob Evans and we were like, oh, yeah, the strawberry lemonade <laughs> is delicious. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's true though and if you ever went into a restaurant and they were like oh would you like to get started off with one of our strawberry lemonades or one of our raspberry teas you better be checking that for a love potion 
I totally agree. I mean, it's it's completely unethical. The only like defensible, I think, like thing could be like, oh, it's, and this would be why it's sold at a Wizarding Wheezes prank shop, a joke shop. Like, oh, it was just a joke, and even that's like, dude, that's gross. Yeah, because you don't know like what that person's gonna do when they're infatuated, right? Like, and mm -hmm. they're not really acting accordingly. Like, there's well, no, it's like the Imperious Curse. Like, it just steal somebody's autonomy right. you're altering somebody's state somebody's mental state mm -hmm. um either for your own enjoyment and amusement on the light end of it or for your own manipulative right. purposes on the more malicious end of it it's just mm -hmm. it's just ugh, it's creepy i mean but it was the 90s you know what i mean I people were getting away with that thing. stuff in the 90s <laughs> That's true. I can't handle you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure right around 2014, you know, like Me Too happened in the Wizarding World, or it will happen because, you know, Wizarding World's about 10 to 20 years uh, behind the curve, you know, <laughs> as far as the culture. And so, uh, you know, Wizarding World, I'm sure in 10, 15 years would be, you know, very against it. I find it interesting that like through the series, you know, it's presented a couple of times. And we never get this sense that, like, people are appalled by it, that it even comes right. up. Right, that's know, what I was like, saying. It's, like, lighthearted almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Ron gets hit with this love potion. It's like, oh, yeah, he got hit with a love potion. We need to snap him out of it. But it's like, hold on. What about Re what about Ramilda Vane? Mm-hmm. Something must be done. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah, what I find is interesting. she definitely didn't seem to face any consequences. Yeah, she does not. And this is what's huh. interesting about this. And this is something I'm just realizing right now as we're even talking. We've talked about the creator of these love potions, the you know pioneers of it. We've talked about the people who've used it in the books. How many men do we have mentions of using these love potions? Zippo. Zero. So, you know, I mean, that's like, it's like the opposite of the date rape drug. You know what I mean? It's like women aren't using that. <laughs> And then on the wizarding end of it, you've got the love potion thing. And it's like none of the men are using these love potions as far as like we have information from the stories. I think it's an interesting thing. Yeah. And you know what? Good for these men. Good men are out there, women. Ladies, even, find, even get yourself on or... Switch and Flick and find yourself a wizard. Because that man is a gentleman. Even when Harry hears that Ramilda Vane is trying to sneak him a love potion, he's almost intrigued a little bit rather than, like, grossed out. Right. He's like, oh, really? Or I am the chosen one. You're like, huh. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I think that does speak to, though, to being, you know, you know, males are like, you know, we're not, like, no, no guy ever is, like, hears that, like, a girl likes them and, like, feels threatened or in danger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless they got crazy eyes right, or that's something, what, you know? Right. That's kind of what I was thinking when you were, like, uh, pointing that out, how it does seem like it's more of, like, a woman's choice to use that. Because, in a way, it's, like, men, maybe they aren't, like, I'm not saying it, like, in the Potterverse, it's no male has ever used it. But it is does seem like, for women, it's more of, like, a... They crave that love and that, like, attention, whereas for men, it's more like maybe it's not quite that. So maybe they don't have much interest in a love potion. Maybe but, it's like the know. college that Robbie and I went to where the population is, like, one male to every three women. Oh, yeah. 
And the competition paradise. is just much more fierce. In the for gangsters' women. paradise. <laughs> I don't know why gangsters' paradise. <laughs> I was. It was just the first word association song with 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 paradise. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, I guess it works too. Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.